Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time Tonight on the Beatles' multi-track meltdown, part two of the White Album Sessions. In February 1968, the Beatles traveled to Rishikesh in northern India to study transcendental meditation with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Amid widespread media attention, their visit was extremely productive musically, and once again, the group's actions influenced countless people in the Western world. While George Harrison and his wife Patty Boyd had been interested in Eastern religion and Indian culture since their six-week stay there in 1966, the other Beatles were not as aware. On August 24, 1967, Patty suggested they attend a lecture the Maharishi was giving at the London Hilton on Park Lane. The other Beatles were invited and were given front row seats and the opportunity to meet the Maharishi in his hotel room afterwards. Two days later, they were on a train to Bangor, Wales to attend a seminar to learn the basics of transcendental meditation, but their trip was cut short when they learned of manager Brian Epstein's death on August 27th. Curious to learn more, they kept in contact with the Maharishi and made arrangements to spend time with him at his teaching center located near Rishikesh in the foothills of the Himalayas. Lennon, Harrison, and their wives Cynthia and Patty arrived on February 15th, and four days later McCartney, Jane Asher, Starr, and his wife Maureen landed in Delhi and took the six-hour ride to Rishikesh. During their stay, John, Paul, and George composed between 30 and 40 songs, and Starr completed his first Don't Pass Me By, which he started in 1964. Nineteen of those songs would end up on the White Album, two songs appeared on Abbey Road, and others were used for various solo projects, and some were left unrecorded. Starr and his wife left early on March 1st after a 10-day stay, and McCartney and Asher left after one month. Lennon and Harrison stayed for nearly two months, but left abruptly following financial disagreements. The Maharishi wanted the band to deposit 25% of their album's profits into his Swiss bank account as a tithe. Also, rumors of inappropriate behavior regarding the female students caused their departure. When they returned to London, they told reporters that they were disillusioned by the Maharishi's desire for financial gain, but they had written a lot of songs, enough for their first and only double LP. We're going to begin the show tonight with two demos recorded at George Harrison's Escher home, Kinfins, in May 1968. The first, a Harrison composition entitled Circles, would never be recorded by the Beatles, but would eventually find a place on his 1982 album, Gone Trapo, with Billy Preston contributing piano and organ. Lyrically, the song is similar to The Inner Light or Within You Without You and is one of his more philosophical songs. Musically, however, it has more in common with Blue Jay Way, with an eerie-sounding organ featured as the only instrument. We'll follow with the acoustic demo of another Harrison song that ended up being shelved and not heard on the White Album, although it was one of the strongest songs. The group spent an incredible amount of time on Not Guilty, recording 99 takes over 30 hours, although only 21 were complete due to the tricky time signature changes. Harrison would eventually re-record the song for his 1979 eponymous release. Harrison had introduced the Beatles to the Maharishi and felt somewhat responsible for his bandmates' experience in Rishikesh. With Starr and McCartney leaving early and Harrison and Lennon leaving in a hurry after unsupported claims of the Maharishi's inappropriate behavior with a female student, Harrison was on the defense. I said I wasn't guilty of getting in the way of their career. I said I wasn't guilty of leading them astray and are going to Rishikesh to see the Maharishi. I was sticking up for myself. The line, I won't upset the apple cart, was a deliberate reference to his frustration over the Beatles' career and Apple Records. Two Harris songs. Love 
Next up, take four of McCartney's Why Don't We Do It in the Road, a minimalist song that predates Lennon's I Want You, She's So Heavy. Lennon was once again upset by the fact that McCartney played everything on the track besides the drums, which were handled by Starr. Lennon stated in a Playboy interview that he enjoyed the track. Still, I can't speak for George, but I was always hurt when Paul would knock something off without involving us. But that's just the way it was then. McCartney elaborated on the song's inspiration. I was up on the flat roof in Rishikesh meditating. I'd seen a troop of monkeys walking along in the jungle, and the male just hopped on the back of this female and gave her one, as they say in the vernacular. Within two or three seconds, he hopped off again and looked around as if to say, it wasn't me, and she looked around as if there'd been some mild disturbance. And I thought, that's how simple the act of procreation is. We have horrendous problems with it, and yet animals don't. Although Take 5 would have numerous overdubs, this take is just Paul and his acoustic guitar. 
We'll then hear a remix of the second McCartney song recorded for the White Album, Obladi Oblada. The sessions for the White Album began on May 30th, and during the 15 sessions between the 30th and July 3rd, the group had only worked on Revolution No. 1, Revolution No. 9, Don't Pass Me By, Good Night, Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except Me and My Monkey, and Blackbird. It was odd that McCartney had only recorded one solo acoustic number during all these sessions, but on July 3rd, that changed. Obladi Oblada would prove to be a difficult song to perfect, spawning three different versions recorded over eight sessions. Tensions were high, as McCartney was unsure of what he wanted and insisted on running the tune over and over again. After spending considerable time on the first version, McCartney announced that he wanted to start from scratch on July 8th. Engineer Jeff Emmerich remembers that Lennon stormed out of the session and didn't return for a number of hours. When he did, he was so frustrated, and a bit stoned, that he played the manic piano intro that would end up on the record while shouting, This is it, come on! The next evening, Paul miraculously convinced the group to start anew with version 3, but he soon realized it couldn't be bettered, and all subsequent overdubs were done on the second version, recorded on July 8th. Although the song was not released as a single in the UK, it went to number one in the singles charts in Austria, Switzerland, Australia, and Japan. In the UK and Norway, a cover version by the Scottish band Marmalade also made number one. It's one of those songs that you either love or hate, and Lennon was very vocal with his opinion, falling into the latter category. Nigerian percussionist Jimmy Scott, who incidentally played kungas on the first version, later tried to claim writer's credit for use of his catchphrase, Obladi Oblada, stating that it was not just a random expression, but a saying that was used exclusively by his family. He later dropped the case when McCartney paid his bail on an unrelated charge. This is a true remix with instruments and vocals appearing, disappearing, and reappearing. Enjoy. Why don't we do it in the road?
With a couple of kids running in the yard Of Desmond and Molly Jones Hey, happy ever after in the marketplace Molly lets the children lend a hand Desmond stays at home and does his pretty face And in the evening she's a singer with a band Yeah, come at me We're back with the Beatles' multi-track meltdown and part two of the White Album Sessions. When the Beatles returned to the studio on May 30th, 1968, after a three and a half month break, they tackled a song that would actually spawn three completely different versions. Four, if you count the video with additional live lead and backing vocals. John Lennon's Revolution. They initially recorded a backing track of piano, acoustic guitar, and drums, with each take lasting between four and five minutes. The final take, take 18, however, was quite different, clocking in at over 10 minutes. The last five to six minutes of the song went into a cacophonous mix of guitar feedback, screaming, grunts, groans, and Yoko Ono reciting phrases such as, you become naked. It was obvious that the song couldn't be released in that form, so the last five to six minutes were lopped off and would form the basis for Revolution Number no. 9. The following day, Lennon laid down lead vocals, McCartney and Harrison backing vocals, and McCartney bass. Always striving for a new sound, on June 4th, Lennon recut his vocal while laying on the floor. Starr added an additional drum track and percussive clicks. A tone pedal guitar part was added by Lennon, and an organ part was overdubbed by McCartney. Horns were scored by George Martin and added at a later date. Lennon had wanted to release this version as a single, but McCartney and Harrison disagreed. Lennon elaborated. The first take, George and Paul were resentful and said it wasn't fast enough. Now, if you go into the details of what a hit record is and isn't, maybe but the Beatles could have afforded to put on the slow, understandable version of Revolution as a single, whether it was a gold record or a wooden record. But because they were so upset over the Yoko thing, and the fact that I was again becoming as creative and dominating as I was in the early years, after lying fallow for a couple of years, it upset the apple cart. I was awake again, and they weren't used to it. So on July 10th, a new harder rocking version was recorded, with the purpose of being the next single. But at the end of July, the group recorded Hey Jude, which would end up being the A-side, and Revolution was relegated to the B-side. And what would become of the five-plus minutes of tape that was cut from the end of Revolution Number 1? It would form the basis for the over-eight-minute-long avant-garde piece, Revolution Number 9. Although the Beatles had first dabbled in experimental music under McCartney's direction with Carnival of Light in 1967, the song was only used for the million-volt light and sound rave, an event held at the Roundhouse Theater on January 28th and February 4th. To this day, the song hasn't seen an official release, or a bootleg for that matter, with George Harrison vetoing its inclusion on the anthology CDs. After beginning a relationship with Yoko Ono, Lennon's view on the avant-garde scene changed drastically. John told Playboy, Once I heard her stuff, not just the screeching and the howling, but her sort of word pieces and talking and breathing and all this strange stuff, I thought, my God, I got so intrigued, so I wanted to do one. But McCartney actually was the first Beatle to be exposed to alternative music, being a bachelor in swinging London, while the other three Beatles lived in the stockbroker belt in the suburbs. Besides elements of the Revolution No. 1 session, the song contains tape loops compiled by Lennon and Ono, spoken word passages by Lennon, Ono, and Harrison, as well as the song's so-called hook, the voice that begins the song with the words, Number 9, and comes in and out throughout the song. Interestingly, it was taken from a Royal Academy of Music examination tape recorded at EMI Studios. Beatles scholar Walter Everett claims that there are 154 different entries from 45 different sources in the track. Tonight we'll hear all three versions of Revolution remixed, as well as the full version of Can You Take Me Back, the McCartney tune improvised while recording I Will that was used in truncated form to bridge the gap between Cry Baby Cry and Revolution No. 9. Revolution Deluxe.
about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out Don't you know it's gonna be Alright 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 You say you got a real solution Change your head You tell me it's the institution Well, you know You better free your mind instead But if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao You ain't gonna make it with anyone anyhow Can you take me by the hand? No more trouble, can you take me? Can you take me by the hand? Oh, you trouble, please don't 
false as the headmaster reported to tell what he was saying. His voice was low and his eye was high as eyes Watusi, the twist. Eldorado. Take this, brother. May it serve you well. We're back with the Beatles' multi-track meltdown and part two of the White Album sessions. We'll continue with a bit more craziness and the Lennon tune, What's the New Mary Jane, recorded on August 14th, 1968, with Lennon on piano and Harrison on acoustic guitar. Yoko Ono and Rody Mal Evans also joined in, and four takes were recorded. It was on the short list for the White Album, but was cut at the last minute due to time constraints. After the White Album came out, Lennon was still adamant to see the song released, and on November 26, 1969, he and Ono recorded further overdubs, planning to release the song as a single by the Plastic Ono Band, alongside another unreleased Beatles song at the time, You Know My Name, Look Up the Number, which was eventually issued as the B-side of the Beatles' Let It Be single in 1970. 
However, when the other Beatles heard of his plans to release a Beatle track under his own band's name, the single was pulled. The song is one of the strangest the group ever recorded, and the title is never mentioned, with Lennon singing What a Shame Mary Jane Had a Pain at the Party serving as the song's hook. We'll be hearing a remix of Take 4 tonight, highlighting different elements, so once again, stay sharp. to be married with Yeti He grooving such cookie spaghetti She jumping as Mexican bean To make that her body more thin What a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party What a shame Mary Jane What a shame Mary Jane had a pain at the party
before we get taken away. Next up, the basic tracks for another 1920s pastiche, McCartney's Honey Pie. The song shows his love of the jazz music that his father played in the Jim Mack Jazz Band and could be considered the companion piece to When I'm 64. It features all four Beatles, with Harrison playing six-string bass while Lennon tackles the very jazzy guitar solo. Lennon always had a problem with what he called Paul's granny music, but Paul's love of standards and music-hall-type numbers added a dimension to the Beatles' sound that was absent from many of their contemporaries. Both Lennon and Harrison were involved in these songs, from A Taste of Honey to Till There Was You to When I'm 64 to Honey Pie, and their contributions are extremely important to each. We'll close the show with another tender ballad by Paul, I Will. On September 16, 1968, Paul, along with Ringo on maracas and cymbal, and John tapping out a beat with wood on metal, recorded 67 takes of I Will, although they weren't all complete. The day after recording the basic tracks, McCartney added backing vocals, a second acoustic guitar, and his bass vocal. Bongos were also overdubbed, presumably by Ringo. Interestingly, the bass vocal part would not appear in the mono version until the second A section. McCartney spoke of the song's inspiration in Barry Miles many years from now. I was doing a song, I will, that I had as a melody for quite a long time, but I didn't have any lyrics to it. I remember sitting around with Donovan and maybe a couple of other people. We were just sitting around one evening after our day of meditation, and I played him this one, and he liked it, and we were trying to write some words. We kicked around a few lyrics, something about the moon, but they weren't very satisfactory, and I thought the melody was better than the words, so I didn't use them. I kept searching for better words, and I wrote my own set in the end. Very simple words, straight love song words, really. I think they're quite effective. It's still one of my favorite melodies that I've written. You just occasionally get lucky with the melody and it becomes rather complete, and I think this is one of them. Quite a complete tune. We'll begin this mix with the bass vocal before switching to an acoustic guitar and percussion heavy mix. She was a working girl North of England way Now she's hit the big time In the USA And if she could only hear me This is what I'd say Honey pie You are making me crazy I'm in love but I'm lazy so won't you please come home Oh honey pie My position is tragic Come and show me the magic Of your Hollywood song You became a legend Of the silver screen And now the thought of meeting you Makes me weak in the knees Sail across the Atlantic To be where you belong Honey pie, come back to me
That's it for this week, Beatles fans. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and you've been listening to Part 2 of the White Album Sessions on the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, to hear more deconstructed mixes, live cuts, and solo recordings. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, ShadyBearBKLYN, and like the Facebook page for I Want to Tell You. You can also check out the Paperback Writer page on Facebook, which features a number of phenomenal Beatles authors talking Beatles. You can pick up the book at Amazon.com and on the website, TheBeatlesIWantToTellYou.com. See you next week.